the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. And, you know, tonight, I guess they call it mini I know, Super Tuesday 2, not Mini Tuesday, and Mini Super Tuesday, but tonight we'll be getting the results from Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington, and uh, the biggest state, of course, is Michigan. We're talking about the Democrat primary. Uh, Michigan's got 125 delegates at stake there. Watching that closely, I, the results are sort of mixed right now. My bet is Biden pulls it off. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute why, but um, I think that is the most likely scenario is that Joe Biden pulls that off. But welcome. It's Ed Martin. Great to be with you here in the Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. Uh, wonderful to be following my friend Andrea Kay. I hope you're tuning into her show just before mine. And don't forget, you can always go to The Answer San Diego and get both our shows as podcasts there. It's download, downloaded there uh, for both of our programs uh, and support TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Lots of info there. Also, um, you can go to EdMartinLive.com. I've been hearing from many of you that you really enjoy the early morning email that I send out, 5 a.m. Pacific time. You'll get the email for me what you need to know so i hope you'll go there and sign up uh, and get that we got a lot going on today i was um i was traveling today i was traveling from uh, my home in northern virginia down to florida uh, for a big event that we had tonight a pro-life event which we'll talk about in a few minutes and I'll give you an update on my experience of traveling in the world of coronavirus. Not too much different, uh, actually, except um, a little quieter. Uh, so I'll, I'll walk you through that. And we're going to play again. I did an interview last week with a young man named Nathan Sullivan. And Nathan is, he himself was conceived in rape. His mother was raped. And instead of an abortion, she gave him up for adoption, uh, his birth mother. And he was raised by another family. That's why I'm down in Florida. We had this great event tonight celebrating pro-life. Um, and one of the solutions. Solutions. If you're going to have the problems of uh, many situations people talk about on quote unquote unwanted pregnancy or something like that, one of the options is adoption. And there are more folks talking about the possibility of what's called open adoption, where a mother gives up her child to be adopted, uh, but she stays in touch with the family. And that may sound complicated, um, and it sure is, but it also can be beautiful. And uh, that's what Nathan Sullivan, we're going to replay his interview in a few moments. So We'll get to all that and more, but first, let's talk about Mini Super Tuesday or Super Tuesday 2 and what I predict will happen. Uh, you know, we're waiting for the returns to come in even as we speak, but my prediction is that when you look closely, all of the conventional wisdom, all of the um, standard tools, the standard uh, pieces of political apparatus are going in Joe Biden's favor, whether it's the unions, whether it's the endorsements, whether it's the campaigning, uh, how you see things going. I don't see much enthusiasm for Biden, you know, much energy, but I think people have said, well, he's better than uh, Bernie Sanders. The question mark will be in Michigan. Because Michigan, four years ago, was supposed to go to Hillary. 
and everybody assumed it would go to Hillary, and then Bernie won. And then it was supposed to go to Hillary again in the general election, and Trump won for the first time in 25 years, I think, maybe since 88. Um, and that was a big shock to the world. It was one of the key things of how he won. So watch Michigan and see where things go. I just happen to think that Biden is too strong in the sense that the party apparatus has united around him, and they just have decided this is the guy we're going to run. We've got all the right pieces in place. As we talked about last night in the program, Biden released uh, his list of who he'd put in office. It's all the usual suspects of the last Obama and Clinton administration. It's the total swamp and deep state getting back in charge. And that's okay with them. They don't they just want a vessel to get back into power and uh, continue to protect themselves and run uh, what they want to do. So I think that's what's going to happen. But we'll watch that. But let's talk a little bit more for a moment about where Joe Biden is. Joe Biden is. Earlier today in in Michigan, Joe Biden was yelling at one of the uh, voters who confronted him on his record on guns. And not only did he attack the man and say, we're not going to ban your AR-14, which is not a gun. It's an AR-15. Joe Biden called it an AR-14. But then he ended up saying, you're full of S-H-I-T and yelling at him. Now, let me tell you something. In campaigning, there's a lot of things you can do. You can be aggressive. You can talk about your opponent. You can be uh, kind of confrontational and stuff. What you can't do is yell at people. You, 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 it Somehow it translates, even if the person is engaging in a debate, it translates as that you don't respect other people as a candidate. I'm just telling you how this goes. So people on Twitter were saying, oh, look at Joe. He fights back because that guy said, you're going to take away my guns. And he fought back and said, no, I never would. Well, first of all, his policies have been pretty clear that he, you know, he, he said Beto O'Rourke will be in charge of guns in his administration. I mean, Beto O'Rourke was, remember, he was saying, we need a gun registry. We need a gun, a, f- a mandatory gun buyback. We need to a registry, all kinds of stuff. Uh, I mean, register all guns, handguns. I mean, pretty aggressive. Remember, Beto tried to find that lane in the election. That was his positioning, he thought. So, you know, somebody, again, it's a, it was at a union shop in, in, in Michigan, I think outside of Detroit. It wasn't exactly like it was a liberal who was jumping up and down, I mean, excuse me, a conservative like at a in, a in a Trump rally. It was one of his people. And so that's one thing. Joe, Joe Biden yelling at voters, not a good look. Using Here's another one. Using swear words, no matter how cool it makes you think you look, you know, down earthy with the people, it never works. You know, here's what happens. The, the handful of people that think you're cool because you use a swear word are more offset by people that think, I don't want my president using swear words. It, it was always one of those ones where I understood what Trump was doing when he u- would use swear words, but I always thought it wasn't a good idea. I mean, it's kind of his brand, but Joe Biden called, he also called somebody an a-hole. I mean, that's another phrase he used, the same exchange, um, you know, full of S-H-I-T and you're an A. I mean, just not good. It's not, it doesn't, it doesn't come across as presidential. It doesn't come across as, uh, as, you know, kind of helpful. But here's the more interesting thing to me. The media is now writing articles about how the GOP and Donald Trump are trying to make uh, Donald Trump, uh, uh, Joe Biden's uh, senility and his dementia issues a part of his brand and this election. And it's, it's really a, a conspiracy. Except, you know who brought it up yesterday? Jill Stein, Dr. Jill Stein, the Green Party candidate from 2016, Harvard-educated doctor, MD, 
And she said, um, yeah, look, uh, they don't want us to talk about it, but this doesn't quite look right. He doesn't look well. This isn't going the right direction. Why isn't somebody stepping in? And as we talked about last night, I still have a hard time understanding why someone is not, you know, Jesse Kelly, who's a radio host down in Houston, Texas, and does some uh, syndicated stuff on TV, I think. Jesse Kelly said some, it's going to be like weekend at Bernie's. At some point, the family of, of Biden, he's going to embarrass himself. It's going to be terribly embarrassing and hurtful and sad, and they're going to regret it. And I think that's what, but, but my point here is that it's not Trump. It's not just the GOP. It's not just the Trump campaign. Here was Jill Stein and others, Glenn Greenwald. Now, Glenn Greenwald is an out and out supporter of uh, Bernie. So that's a little different. But Jill Stein, nobody's answering the question. Why is it that Biden, you know, what's, what's going on with Biden? They're just saying you're not fair. It's not fair to ask that. One last thing. Some things that probably just happen and are not related to health, but end up looking like they're related to health. Joe Biden requested that at the next debate, he and Bernie Sanders be seated. And it was granted, I think, by CNN. So he asked for accommodation for what? Well, for his physical stamina. And Bernie Sanders has already made a big deal out of saying, hey, I'm happy to stand up. We always stood up. Why are we sitting down? And again, it doesn't matter really, um, to be honest, it doesn't matter whether it's really true. It could just be coincidental. It just matters now that everybody's saying, you know, why is Biden having to sit? Why are why are they sitting? What, what's wrong with him? Does he have the stamina? Is he is he up to the the, the the thing? And remember, when you see Kamala Harris, she went out in Detroit and introduced Joe Biden, and they stand together. And there's been people now talking, quoted in the media, that they need a woman on the ticket. They really prefer an African American. More and more, she looks like the person they're going to pick. It's not going to be Stacey Abrahams, a never winning, uh, you know, loser of a governor's candidate from Georgia. That's not how these things work. And um, and someone said today that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden's um, deceased son, who was attorney general in Delaware, were great friends as as attorneys general. They were pals. And so she's actually got some connection to the family. Well, my point here is just simply this, that you're going to see uh, people in their heads saying more and more. Well, Joe may be a little slip, you know, maybe slipping a little, but there's Kamala Harris. And I think that's what the Democrat establishment wants. I think that's what they're expecting. I think they know that they're hoping that Joe Biden is a vessel who can maybe win some voters in Pennsylvania where he was born, maybe win some voters in places, although if you call him SSHI, full of SHIT and other names, it's probably not going to work very well. But I think that's what they're doing. That's the plan at this point, it feels like to me. And I haven't seen anybody who makes much of a case to dissuade uh, me of that. So let's watch tonight. We'll get a better breakdown tomorrow on, again, Idaho, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, and Washington. I'm told Missouri, my home state, my old home state, is going to go reliably to Biden, that the combination of the Kansas City and uh, Missouri Democrat, uh, excuse me, St. Louis Democrat machines, at least um, they're not so much machines anymore, but they have a sort of a Democrat established that's uh, pretty well-formed and, and uh, still has some strength, they're going to stick with Biden. And so I think you'll probably see that. But we'll see. We'll see what all that happens, and we'll, we'll shake it out from uh, there, and we'll analyze that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will do, we'll play this uh, quick, I'll do a quick introduction, and we'll play this wonderful video uh, of Nathan Sullivan uh, highlighting what we're doing in uh, Naples, Florida uh, tonight. And then when we come back after that, we'll have an update on coronavirus, and also we'll do an um, analysis breakdown of what Harmeet Dillon mentioned last night. So we'll be right back. We'll take a quick break. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, go to TheAnswerSanDiego.com to find out more. Pro-America Report. We'll be right back. 
the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Real quick, let me set up this uh, this um, um, interview we did from uh, about a week ago. I want to play it again. This is Nathan Sullivan we're going to hear from in a minute. Nathan is was conceived uh, in rape, and his mother, his birth mother, decided to give him up for adoption. And down in Florida this week, uh, Nathan, his speech is recorded, and then his birth mother is speaking on the power of choosing life. And I really believe if you want to talk about the pro-life movement, you've got to talk about the reality of lives people's lives. You can't just talk about how good or bad the act is and how terrible you think it is. People want to understand how it makes a difference. So I hope you'll enjoy this interview with Nathan Sullivan. I'll talk more about it later in the week, but a powerful witness to pro-life. It's why I'm down in Florida trying to help people understand and make a big difference. So tune into this interview real quick and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin. Here's this interview with Nathan Sullivan. Hope you enjoy it. Nathan Sullivan had a story, has a story that he told uh, last month uh, about life. And I think I'm just going to let Nathan let you start us out and tell us, uh, walk us through at least the first part of it before I mess it up by asking too many questions. So first of all, Nathan Sullivan himself, uh, he is uh, a businessman, uh, a graduate, I think it's of Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University. He's a, I don't know, science guy, tech guy and all, but that's what came to light for me was he had this incredible, has this incredible life. Uh, so welcome, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Ed. Uh, how are you tonight? Uh, good to have you on. Yeah, so tell so tell me this. Set up our listeners who are uh, are, are wondering who's Nathan Sullivan and and why uh, you know in the last month or so, especially you've 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 been up on stage telling your story. Absolutely, and thanks for giving me the opportunity. So um, I am, you know, in, in, and this is really the crux of the matter. I'm just a regular guy. I'm an engineer. Um, and I've been able to have a great life, and I'm someone who's had a great life, uh, but I was conceived in rape. And hmm. why I've been able to tell my story and and how that's helped to, um, you know, inspire at least some people, I hope, uh, is because it's it's not about where we come from. It's not about... Um, the situations that we come from, but it's about what we do with our lives that actually makes a difference. And where I come from didn't define me. Uh, and being able to have this connection with my birth mother um, has been a, a great thing, too. So a little bit about my backstory. Um, I was born out on the West Coast in 1991. And... Uh, was uh, placed for adoption in an open adoption. Very unusual at the time, even more unusual now, actually. And through that connection, uh, both being in a loving family growing up and also being in contact with my birth mother over the years, um, we've been able to you know, kind of join those two families. And from what started out as a, as a horrible situation, um, it's really turned into quite a blessing for everyone involved. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking with Nathan Sullivan, and, and Nathan, let me uh, let me fill in a little bit. So um, what I saw when I saw you up on stage was this young woman. I mean, she, her mom is young. She's um, Her name is Kathy Folan, and, and she's, I think, just maybe 50, a little less than 50, and she's up on stage. She looks like a kid, and you look like a man. I mean, you know, you look like, an, and you are, of course, but, and so the story is that she was a victim of sexual assault and got pregnant, and her family said, you know, you know we'll support you, and, and she decided to give up uh, 
uh, you uh, to be adopted. And the extraordinary thing about this to me is to, to see the two of you. And I should say that later on this uh, next month, we'll be down in Naples, Florida with your grandmother, Kathleen Sullivan, who's how I came into this connection too. She's an old friend of mine. Uh, and we'll do an event down there. Your mother will be there. You, I think, are going to be either you know, Skype in or YouTube. But to see the two of you talk as a woman who she chose life and then there you are, this big, vibrant guy who's talking about, you know, what your life is and who you are and all. It's pretty extraordinary. But, you know, um, Nathan is, um, what's it, you know, how does the, um, when you talk to people that have had abortion or that have got, believe abortions are right, which usually overlaps, they don't want to see the truth of it. And how, how has it been now to be a spokesman? Well, it's not like you're a spokesman, you're a walking you know, message of life. Is it, is it unsettling for people? Is it, is it positive? How, how, how's the experience been? I mean, most of the experience has been positive. Sure. There's a little bit of pushback, but I think what's really helpful is to be able to put a face on it. It's one thing to go up to someone and say, well, you should choose life for your child or you should choose life for your baby. And that's something that sometimes for, for a woman in that situation can be hard to see. But when you can put a face on it, you know, this is this is who you're talking about. We're not talking about someone who hasn't been born yet. We're not talking about, you know, a debate in the abstract of of a person out there. But we're talking about me. Right. And when we talk about right. the exceptions, um, even people in the pro-life movement who would make exceptions for rape, we're not talking about some, you know, person we don't know who it is. You're, we're talking about me. Right. It's uh, by the way, I finally found the page I had from your background because you are truly a total engineered, as my family says, because I'm I'm an English major. So engineers are like talking to an alien. And I got these pictures of you on your the uh, one of your work uh, in, I don't know, aerial precision technology or something, all this engineering and technology stuff. It's really cool to see and very impressive. I, I mean, I, I'm half teasing you, but I mostly because I can't believe people smart like this. It's it's uh, what does so many things. But back to this uh, story. Nathan, do you ever wonder, I mean, when you hear people, you're human. So when, you know, you're normal, you're, and so do you ever say to yourself, hey, you know, when you so easily say, let's just make it, you know, in the case of rape, we have to have uh, uh, abortion for people. Do you, I mean, is it, you must sometimes even get angry, right? I mean, it's people that are arguing against how many Nathan Sullivans are gone. Millions are gone because people didn't know what was possible. And, and the numbers say it's over half. It's certainly disheartening. Um, and, yeah. you know, friends and acquaintances, people that, you know, don't know my backstory have made those comments over the years. And, you know, I, I will say this of the people who do know my backstory, of the people that I've known for years, um, I don't see that as much. And I don't know if it's just because they don't want to say it to me. I'm sure that had something to do with it. But a lot of it is because people have never put a face to it before. They've never realized what they're actually talking about. Yeah. Um, we're talking with Nathan Sullivan, and I'll, I'll put up on uh, social media this article and the link to some of the talks. It's uh, uh, powerful. Uh, Nathan, one last, I want to go down one last path for a second. Adoption. You know, I happen to, I've never met you in person, but I met your dad. I mean, your, your, your father, the man who raised you. I've met your grandmother and your father and your mother, the one that raised you. These are spectacular people whose life 
is just monstrously full because they were able to adopt you. And I guess one of the things that other other parts of this is it's sort of it's become a little unfashionable in America to not realize that if you know there's lots of kids that could be adopted, right? That and that's not always simple. It's not always easy, as you said. But it man, it's um it gives life in its own way. I guess how, how do you you must be like the walking embodiment of also of how uh, adoption can be great. So it, it's something to look at. The In the 1970s, the numbers were about 90,000 children per year were placed for adoption. Uh, now it's less than uh, less than 18,000. So we're down to about a, a fifth of what it used to be. And wow. when you look at the, the potentials that are out there, and, and that's not all lost to abortion. I mean, there's a lot of uh, single mothers who are choosing to raise their own children. But... You know, they think of those as the only two options. They think of abortion or raising their child as the only two options. And it's definitely, as you said, it's fallen out of fashion, the concept of adoption. But there are way more families looking to adopt than there are children placed for adoption. So that option is not just something that um, could be the best option for the child, but it, it could be a real blessing for their family, their adopted family as well. Yeah, you know, there's so many things I wish and I hope and I think that'll happen and as we go into this period of time, you know, so many so much technology is better and all, but I think we have to sort of recover and rediscover this these notions of things like adoption, you know, make it a make it attractive. I mean, if you went and I'll see her next month and I'll ask her when you talk to uh, your birth your birth mom, Kathy Folan, I bet you she'll say it's the best thing that could have happened to me is to not get an abortion. This is how it worked out, right? So it's um well, listen, Nathan Sullivan, keep us in Informed and uh, come back on the show as you find more. I know you're going to be uh, doing some. We got you're busy trying to do whatever these things are, drones and things and technology. So I'm trying to. I don't know what you're doing, but you also you're going to be an advocate for life and adoption. So when you get a chance, come back on and tell us how how it's going. And uh, I hope you you ought to write. You ought to try to write at least uh, you know the a chapter in your memoir on this period of of sort of coming to publicly be so uh, clear on this because I think it's really important to for people to. Uh, in lots of different ways, learn your story and understand it for themselves. So thank you for doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, Nathan, we'll, we'll, keep, we'll keep you in the loop, and I'll put it up on social media. We'll take a, take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I'll be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you. Uh, thank you, as always, for listening. And let's do a little coronavirus update, okay? Let me first give you some perspective. As I mentioned to you earlier in the program, I traveled. Well, let me, let me give you the punchline first, okay? The coronavirus hype and panic is way overblown. We have to all slow down, lower the temperature, and get control. I want you to hear that again and again. The hype, the panic is overblown. They're making people crazy. The media's business model, as I've told you over and over again, is to, they used to just cover a train wreck. They thought, oh, there's a train wreck. Let's cover that. People want to see that. Then they like to chase along like a Princess Diana paparazzi and chase along hoping there'll be a train wreck. And the question becomes, are they causing a train wreck? In this case, there's, we'll talk in a moment about my second point. 
but they want the hype to panic you. So don't take the bait, okay? That's number one. But recognize that all around us are people who are really conditioned by the cable news networks, by social media, to uh, to panic and to be hyped. So slow it down, cool it off, you know, take the edge off what's happening. We'll get through everything. We'll be great. We'll be stronger. But here's number two. This is a serious, serious problem. It's a serious virus. It's more serious than the regular flu. It appears to be more contagious. So we have to be really, really smart. We have to wash our hands more. We have to be a little bit smarter about going into big uh, places with lots of people. We certainly have to be very careful if you're going to a nursing home to visit your grandparents or going to uh, someplace with lots of seniors. You just got to be very aware. This is serious. I've been reading up on uh, the history of these kinds of, they call them pandemics, and there's a lot of things we have to be aware of. I do agree with, uh, amazingly, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, who praised the Trump administration, saying, hey, they're doing everything they can. Um, I was surprised that Governor Cuomo called out the National Guard uh, to help secure part of Westchester County. I had had a suggestion from a friend of mine, Dr. Morley, John Morley, who's a geriatrics specialist at uh, SLU, a physician, and he suggested that. He He said there may be a point where you need the National Guard because you can't get people to do the jobs that need to be done um, because they might be exposed. So you've got to have people that are sort of part of the team in a special way, which is the National Guard. So good for them. and, And everybody's trying their best. There's a lot of uncertainty. The next few weeks, some things will become clearer. But in places like Italy, their healthcare system is overrun. In in China, it seems like they have it under control, but I can't tell. You can't tell if they're telling the truth. But it's a, it's devastating. This is a serious, serious uh, uh, problem. The good news is. If it were 100 years ago or 200 years ago, we would be facing this with a lot less resources, meaning tools and uh, things we can use, both technology, uh, understanding, you know, learning, all that kind of stuff. But there are aspects of this, if it goes sort of the wrong way, that are going to be really hard. They're going to expose weaknesses in our healthcare system in terms of the number of beds and the number of things we can do. So just be very aware. Now, let me go back to my story. So that's my two-point. There's a two-step. The corona, the, the, the China, I call it the China virus. The China virus two-step, the China virus two-step is one, calm down, be cool, don't panic, don't believe the hype from the fake news. But the second two-step is understand what's happening. It's real. It's a real risk. There's real issues. We need to be careful about it. So those are the two things that uh, the China virus two-step I'll encourage you to do. Now, as to my experience, I traveled uh, from Washington, D.C. area of Northern Virginia down to uh, Fort Myers for this event. And two things, two observations. One, the airport was not empty, but it was clear that flights that would have usually been full like the the DC to New York shuttle were half empty. They really were legitimately half empty. My flight down to Fort Myers about maybe a third empty. Usually those are full. They know how to fill these planes up. They know how to run the, you know, numbers to make sure they're full. So it's clearly having an impact. Um I only saw one person who had a mask on. By chance, the woman, uh, I, I spoke to her, and she said, oh, I wear, I've been wearing a mask for years. It has nothing to do with the uh, China virus. It has to do with my own preference for getting, making sure I don't get colds. Um, I saw that the air hostesses and the steward, you know, the stewards and stewardesses were taking uh, some extra precautions. Here's an interesting one. When they gave me some water in a cup, you know, they, I took a cup off the stack as they walked down the aisle, and they filled it with water. When they came back around, they asked me to take another cup when I wanted a refill. 
I said to the woman later, why? And she said, well, they taught us that if you pour water into a cup after you've drunk from it, the chances of you sort of aerating um, the germs are higher. My, my point is, we're going to find ways to be smarter. We're going to find ways to be clever and careful and all that. I, we drove back from, I drove from the airport to my event with an Uber driver, and I asked him. He said, no impact on his business. He said he's seen as many people driving in and out of Fort Myers. Now, it's, it's so South Florida in the winter, people like to come down here the you know snowbirds so uh but again the point is let's get um smart about it now some things are happening that are going to feel dramatic uh, my kids my sons and daughter are out of school this week because one of their classmates and they happen to be siblings as an all-boys school school and an all-girls school went to um Italy and came back and they may have been uh, contaminated so for precaution they're taking this week off so there's going to be a lot of that the NCAA um, the Ivy Leagues you know, the Ivy Leagues, which is, uh, you know, Harvard and Yale and Columbia and Cornell and UPenn, they canceled their basketball tournament, their championship basketball tournament, and they just, um, they said, we're not going to play a tournament. And we're going to give the um, Ivy League regular season champ gets the, the bid to the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of a big deal, especially if you were the number two team in the league and you were hoping to get a chance to upset the uh, the favorite. But so more and more of those things, I think for the next few months, maybe month, month and a half, we're going to see that we have to be careful. We have to, um, what I told someone is the best way to describe it is we want to be careful enough that any of the disease that's spreading is spread out so we don't get hit all at once. Because if we get hit all at once, we could have a shortage of beds, a shortage of doctors. You know, out in Washington State, the nursing home that got hit that has had, sadly, 19 deaths, I think, they've also had, out of 70 employees, they've had 50 who are out of work, out of work because they were contaminated. So, you know, you could have a situation where the front line of the people helping healthcare workers, if they're all contaminated, suddenly we have not enough beds, too many. You can see the point. So one of the things that I think is a real benefit is being smart, not quarantine yourself forever, but be smart about the kinds of things you want you're going to do, the kinds of events you're going to go to. You know, be a little bit, you know, for this period of time, be a little bit more likely to say, I'm going to stay home and have dinner or I'm going to stay home from these events. I think that will make a difference. And look, information is power. And we again, we have some really good doctors that are helping Mike Pence do this. You know, the, the politicians are going to fight over what kind of economic stimulus or aid package they can do. That's mostly going to shore up some of the industries that could really hit. I don't think they'll have any, you know, um, ability to agree how to help the regular family. If it was me, I'd give every parent who has a kid home from school uh, immediate tax credit or something to make their life better. But it's unlikely they'll settle that. It'll it'll become a, a mishmash. You know, yet another reason why. Um, um, Nancy Pelosi winning for speaker was such a disaster because she's able to get in the room and force the discussion of how to do some sort of stimulus, some sort of help to some of the industries that could really be struck. Um, she's going to make it into a mess, but that's life. It is what it is. So again, um, don't panic. Stay cool. You know, stay calm and uh, and understand what's happening, but recognize. It's a real serious threat. It's a real serious illness, and it's going to affect a lot of people. And the best thing you can do is stay healthy, get sleep, 
Uh, eat well, take care of your family, keep an eye on your neighbors who are vulnerable, and just keep informing yourself. And that'll be the best thing you can do. So uh, that's a little coronavirus update. I'll keep you updated on that. And when we come back, I'll talk about Harmeet Dillon, who was on the show last night. Her discussion of election fraud reminded me of a topic I want to talk with you about. So we'll be right back. It's Ed, Mar- Ed, Mar- excuse me, it's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here. Pro-America Movement. Great to be with you. And let's I want to finish up here with a, a conversation that started last night with Harmeet Dillon. Harmeet Dillon was a guest on the program. Uh, extraordinary woman. You know, she's got a uh, as an attorney, she's got a record of having just fought for uh, freedom, fought for the little guy, fought for the integrity of the election system. She happens to be a conservative, but she's also, um, I think, uh uh, let's say how to say it high integrity um, she just is she's not um, if I can say she's not sold out she's not become a gun for hire she's stuck to her guns and she's very impressive but we talked with her last night and I'd encourage you if you haven't listened again it's Ed Martin here on the pro-America movement excuse me pro-America report uh, and if you go get our show as a podcast or go to edmartinlive.com listen to the program uh, the answer san diego.com wherever you find find that segment I put it up on social media with Harmeet Dillon and listen to her talk about the elections and the importance of understanding that the threat to elections is not only a threat from election fraud there is that but it's also a threat of the system being so poorly managed uh, that there are, for example, redundancies. People are registered to vote in multiple places. There's, they are not purging the vote. It's a terrible word because it sounds like you're doing something wrong. But the, the, ver- the term in voter um, parlance is to purge the rolls, meaning clear the rolls, the voter rolls of names that shouldn't be there. People that either died or moved or uh, are no longer in the jurisdiction for whatever reason, whatever it is. Um, um, so she's right about that. And she's right about the system being poorly managed. And maybe it won't matter if you have uh, if you have a Donald Trump winning uh, by a lot again, meaning meaning winning a bunch of electoral votes. But if you got a little closer in a place like uh, Pennsylvania, you know, if the race got closer in Pennsylvania, you could find yourself um, in a situation where the race is uh, is so much closer. You know, say it's, what's it within 10,000 votes, for example, in, in, in Michigan or in Pennsylvania. And suddenly, whoever's sloppy, you know, and, and makes it uh, poorly run, and a lot of these election authorities are run by uh, liberals or even sometimes establishment Republicans. The best guy in the country in many ways is Jay Ashcroft, uh, the Secretary of State of Missouri. He's a friend of mine. He happens to be a friend, but he's kind of fearless. He doesn't owe anybody anything. He kind of uh, made it, you know, he made it through his family name, but that's a little easier than making it through the party. So he's got a kind of a standalone integrity uh, that is really good, and he's a guy to watch on this issue. But uh, but here's what I want to bring up to you. And I didn't get to bring it up to Harmeet, but I emailed her later. And we're going to maybe bring this uh, subject up and have a conversation with you on the radio. Uh, because um, I wanted to bring it up to her, and I didn't ran out of time last night. And the topic is this. The census. In just two and a half weeks, if you can believe it, just a, a little bit less than that. Excuse me, a little bit less than that. It's about, uh, oh, excuse me, three weeks. Exactly three weeks. I apologize. Three weeks from now, on April 1st, 
they will begin the census. Now, you've probably seen some of the action around the census. There's been some advertisements on the television. I went to the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Old Town Alexandria with my kids. There was a marching band in there. My wife and I and, and our kids went down. And along comes a parade, along the parade route, there was a marching band. There was guys on unicycles. There was a, a motorcycle cops doing a, like a coordinated, uh, you know, coordinated performance. All that during the parade. And then there was a group of people handing out stickers, handing out lollipops, and handing out small soccer balls. And written on the side was, Make Alexandria Count. And it was the census people. Tons of money. Tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars being dedicated to making sure every person counts. That sounds like a good idea. You should, no one should be against The idea of the census counting everyone in America, that's what the Constitution demands. The problem is California is spending $140 million on this, uh, other states, and they're focusing only on counting people in the places where they're counting, you know, Democrats and illegals. And if you live in um, Alexandria in Virginia, by percentage, you're talking about Democrats and a bunch of illegals, too. But if you live in a rural county in Virginia, you might never get a soccer ball in a parade. There might not be a parade. You might never see a TV ad that runs on uh, Washington, D.C. TV. My point here is the power brokers are setting up the census because they know if they can count the census numbers in places where it helps them, urban centers, uh, places like California that are more liberal, they can skew the results. And by skew, I don't mean that it's improper. If there's somebody to count, you count them. I I don't think illegals should count. And if they are counted, they should be counted and noted that they're illegals. But that's a different uh, debate. And the the president has tried to make that question be a part of the census. But at the very least, we ought to be having our leadership at every level fighting to make sure that we're counting all the people in all the parts of the country. Because if you go to a rural county in Missouri, where I used to live, or a rural county in Virginia, where I live now, a lot of the folks out there, they don't particularly want to interact with the government if they don't have to. They don't want to answer a long-form census thing. And you have to make clear the importance of it, just like you do in Alexandria, an urban center. And the fact that the money is being spent, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, to count in one place and not the other, is a huge disservice, huge disservice to our nation. And frankly, it's a power grab. And here's what's frustrating. I know a couple of conservatives that have been talking about, I'm one of them, and John Schlafly and Andy Schlafly have written about this a lot, but I know a couple of conservatives that have brought this topic up repeatedly to the to the Congress and to the Freedom Caucus and to the president's staff. And everybody, everybody sees the problem. Everybody totally sees the problem and understand what's going on. They totally get it. They understand they're not, there's not a problem, and yet nothing gets done. The Commerce Secretary, Ross, Wilbur Ross, has the control over this, is the, is the uh, entity that controls, he's the official that controls the census. He has the ability, if he wanted to, to direct the spending from the census. Here's another detail. Wait till you hear this. Much of the marketing and sort of advertising for the census promotion 
was already let, was already uh, put out for bid and contracted during the Obama administration, because you do actually plan far ahead for that. And so the Obama administration started the planning and a bunch of the big grants, huge multimillion dollars, went to Obama, well, went under the Obama administration to what looks like firms that are more liberal. You know, New York-based firms. I mean, again, they, they're only going to do what they're told to do. They're going to do what uh, they're sort of allowed to do. And if the if the Wilbur, if Wilbur Ross, the Commerce Secretary, said, "Hey, we're going to spread this money out in a way that we're going to make sure that we count people in rural counties where they're Republican and conservative and pro-gun and all that, as well as in other places," well, it'd be okay. But the game the, the game gets rigged against we the people, and even more problematic. States like California spend state dollars, I think it's $140 million in California being spent to make sure they count everyone. You think they're really going to count people from conservative parts of San Diego? I mean, are going to work on it? Well, they're working up in Los Angeles. And the reasons why is because they can pay people to go uh, be a census worker. They can pay uh, media companies to run ads. Everybody makes money coming and going, and it just increases the power of the liberal-leaning class. Of the of the elites of the of the establishment of the ruling class, that's the game, and it's being played on us. So I, I asked Harmie Dillon, and we like I said we had this exchange by email, and so I, I hope she'll take it up because I think I don't know whether there's a lawsuit there. I don't know how the I don't know where you get to standing on it or something, but I know it's really a uh, it's a pretty big problem, and it's very poorly understood by folks who are uh, uh, you know, otherwise paying attention to these key issues. And so I wanted to bring it up to you. And we'll, we'll watch. Like I said, three weeks from today, they'll begin the census officially. The first person will be counted officially on April 1st. Uh, so we'll talk more about that. All right. We better wrap things up. As always, I want to say uh, please visit TheAnswerSanDiego.com. Get the show as a podcast. Go to EdMartinLive.com as a podcast. Uh, on Twitter, folks seem to be really using Twitter a lot more. At Eagle Ed Martin. At Eagle Ed Martin. Uh, many of you like to text me directly. The number is 314-256-1776. 314 1776 you can always write goes right to my phone please feel free to do that and don't forget to uh, pass the show on and the time and the, the podcast on to other folks uh, get them listening and get them uh, paying attention this is an important show an important time and the pro-america movement is going 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 and we need more people to be a part of it so thank you as always to noah our fearless uh, technical director who does everything basically and also joanna for helping to produce the show and thank you for listening we'll be back tomorrow night it's ed martin here on the pro-america report We'll talk to you tomorrow night. The Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego.